Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey y'all, this is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Helen, um, last night I went to see Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, at the cinema. It's not, it's not cinema um, now, isn't it? Well, um, uh, we went to see That's the last movie that I will consider you going to the cinema well, to Well, like, we felt like seeing something kind of like brainless. Um, Andrew uh-huh. wanted just to see something like King Kong um, bashing Godzilla up. Like something just kind of like really... <laughs> cheesy and kind of like um, very straightforward because you know um, I feel like the last couple of yeah. months everything is heavy yeah and the the year is kind of scraping by um, zooming by rather and so we felt like something it's kind of stupid and funny <laughs> and uh, it was uh, it like I think halfway through the film I turned over to Andrew and I said this is the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> Is that the actual plot? I'm sure there's a, like a plot of what happened. Oh, it's just it's so violent. It's so fighting. yeah. It's just like it's like a two-hour film. For the first hour and a half, you are made to believe that they're um, nemesis, like they hate each mm-hmm. other. And then in the literally in yeah. the last five minutes, there's this new baddie that comes onto the scene, and uh-huh. then they just decide to kill it together. And then you know no, nothing is resolved <laughs> at the end. It's absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I like it's just and and the way in which white people are centered in this film is absolutely astonishing, absolutely astonishing. So they're uh, portrayed as God and oh, then, no, just, in they're the protagonists to like save the human yeah, race. Yeah, well, basically, um, the movie starts off with the little girl with a little girl who looks kind of like indigenous appearing or like half Asian of some sort, Pacific Islander. Where where, where was this um, set? movie set? Oh, like on yeah. Skull Island, wherever that is. Like I haven't seen any of the Kong movies, <laughs> so I don't know any of the you know background to it, but you don't need to to see this film. Uh-huh. And so this young girl, she's about seven years old. She has a relationship with this, like a friendship with this King Kong guy, gorilla, ape, whatever it is. Um, and like she sign, she sort of she doesn't know how to speak. She literally doesn't have a voice. Like the only uh-huh. character who Goodness. who's like they can't even give her a yeah, line. She, exactly. She can't. <laughs> she doesn't even have a voice. Anyway, and she um, she kind of is convinced to like because her sort of guardian is the a, a scientist, a white scientist played by Rebecca Hall, who uh-huh. I love, and like um. Something happens outside of this Skull Island. I won't say everything in detail. And then, like, um, the guy who plays the lead white guy is this, like, failed academic. Suddenly, like, within the first 10 minutes is, like, is like goes from an unknown academic 
and then suddenly, like, within the first 10 minutes, he's, like, making decisions about what to do with, like, <laughs> nuclear weapons on a ship. And, like, suddenly black people, like, black people who are controlling the ship on these mega, uh-huh. like, military ships are, like, taking orders from this random white guy. It's just so... And, like, and, like, and, like the way in which these two... Ridiculous. Yeah, two white lead uh-huh. scientists, quote-unquote scientists, are, like, manipulating the young girl into, like, manipulating King Kong into, like doing uh-huh. something for them. Like, it's just, like, yeah. the whole movie is white people, like, giving directions to people of colour um, and telling them uh-huh. what to do. It's just, it's a- absolutely abhorrent. I can't believe something like this would be made still in today's climate. And then, like, the subplot was this ridiculous, like, a ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous um, <laughs> subplot about daughter of this guy who was in the previous films. Um, but the girl who plays, the young teenager who plays her is the an Enola Holmes. You know, you and I liked her. You know that series? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ebola yes. Homes yeah, or Enola a, or something? Yeah, Enola Homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that was last year yeah. when we watched that film. So Kevin okay. watched it um, with us and Kevin was like, oh, that that's a girl from Stranger that's Things and also okay. Enola Homes, yeah. So yep. she, in the beginning, she is, like, seen doing, like, just literally just listening to a podcast and, like, the camera just, like, pans in on her face as though she's the most important creature mm-hmm. on the earth. But literally she's just listening to a podcast of a black guy um, who's, like, sharing secrets about this um, inside this biotech company. And so this black, yeah. full black adult, right, has all the information. Uh-huh. He's an expert over this. And then um, in the first, like, half an hour, she she bumps into him somehow. Or she tries to find him, locates him. And then for the rest of the uh-huh. film, this young 12-year-old teenager is the leader of the pact, of the subplot. Like, she, her, she's literally centred in every shot that they're in. Like, how uh-huh. the fuck did that happen? Like, how did the fuck did a teenage girl who, like, finds this black expert, suddenly, like, suddenly the, the narrative turns around and so that like, she becomes the person who's trying to save the, the world. The of attention. Yeah, it's absolutely uh-huh. ridiculous. It was so ridiculous that it was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the point. You get it, like, you said that it's funny, so I guess that you achieve its objective for the audience to... You know, kind of ridicule, but at the same time had the moments of entertained yeah, purpose. Yeah, I mean, the only redeeming feature about this film is the graphics. Like, it's very, very... Like, it's, it was entertaining to watch, like, big monsters mm-hmm. punch each other, you know? Yeah, but, um, yeah I see. But, uh, but like my favourite podcasters, Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris on Still Processing, often say, um, uh-huh. you can't take politics out of film or art, right? Of course, yeah. All the time, yeah, yeah, um, and any you know artistic work, books, literature is saying something. It's all very related. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely. making some sort of point about the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of films, uh, we both watched uh, one of the new released on Netflix <laughs> number this one, week, which I'm sure all our <laughs> listeners. Oh yeah, was it not? Yeah, it was it? It's on yeah, number it's one. So I'm sure all our listeners know it. Helen, what was it? Okay, so it's uh, Melissa McCartney and what's her Octavia, name? Octavia Spencer. Spencer, uh, Thunder Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, so do you want to give us uh, the <laughs> the background of the story? Yeah, it's a yeah. superhero movie um, that centers two women who are. Who were best friends, and then they have a falling out, and then they meet each other again in the in the in adulthood. Um, and these two women are in their forties. In real life, Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy have just turned fifty, 
and um, I wrote a review of this in um, Women's Agenda, and I just like oh, yeah. And my okay, my really uh-huh. my spiel, my point in the article was really like yes, there are a lot of problems with this film. Yes, it's had really bad reviews <laughs> on Rotten Tomato, but who cares? Because like finally we have a superhero movie which um, centers two women in their forties. Not only that, it's like there's a person of color as well. Pardon? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally a black oh, person. Yeah. Uh, I remember there's actually another. Sorry to just jump in before we go on to talk about this movie. There's another uh, TV series. I'm sure that it was on Netflix, but I watched about two years、mm. ago. It's something called Lightning or something like that. But it's a superhero movie、mm. as well, but it's based on black people. Right. As in, there's some sort of chemical infections on one of the black community in U.S.、Mm. and somehow some of the kids turn into they have like superpowers. Powers, right? Cool. Very similar to what happened in Thunder Force. Yeah, it just suddenly、um, came into my mind. Yeah, I have to look it up. Something about lightning. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. So, yeah, with the Thunder Force.、Um, Sorry. No, it's like no one could possibly disagree with me when I say that. The real superheroes in our world are women in their forties, you know, who are yeah, juggling、definitely. two million jobs, kids, caring <laughs> responsibilities, like awful husbands. You name it, right? Women in their forties <laughs> are、husband. the most underrecognized people on this planet. Yeah. Actually, no. Can you just imagine? Yeah. Can you just imagine the woman in their forties、yeah. just have a strike for? Yeah, exactly. A the, week. The, literally, the world, the world would, would look like, like yeah, would stop collapse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So like um, I、uh, it's it's just I mean, b- beyond everything I'm about to say about the film, I just laughed out <laughs> loud so many times. Right? Did you yeah, find yourself、really、laughing、funny. out loud a lot? I know. Yeah. Even you, you when you sent me a text about one of the the spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I still laughed when I watched that scene. So if you have if you haven't、yeah. seen it, we're just gonna like sort of hint at a few spoilers. Spoil, yeah. Basically, the premise of the movie is a few decades ago, the world, okay, um, has these evil people called miscreants. Okay, and yeah, te- they were affected by kind of like a radioactive yeah, and, source. Yeah, and, and they have superpowers. So they have superpowers. Mutants. Yep, and they're kind of evil,、yeah. right? They kill people,、mm. innocent people. And、um, Emily Stanton, who is played by Octavia Spencer, she、um, her parents are killed by miscreants,、mm. and so like twenty years、mm. later, she's like her goal, her mission in life is to like basically she has founded her own company where like she gets to inject people, normal people, with superpowers. Because her goal is to like、mm-hmm. become superpower herself and like kill those people, avenge her parents' death, basically. And、mm-hmm. um, so her, she on the on the night that she was supposed to inject herself, Melissa McCarthy goes to visit visit her yeah, at the yeah, lab. Yeah, so her yeah. character is called Lydia, and she's visiting、um, Emily <laughs> at her lab. And then <laughs> stupid Melissa McCarthy, she like toys around with the.、Um, Uh, with the tools, and then somehow injects herself with one of the superpowers, which is like super strength, which then、mm-hmm. leaves、um, Emily Stanton's character with invisibility.、Mm-hmm. So they both have superpowers. Yes, yeah. yeah. Emily Stanton, her、um, Octavia Spencer's、um, daughter. She has a daughter who's like basically the cue、mm-hmm. to James Bond. So she's like.、Um, 
designs their suits. She's like super, um, super smart. She's only 14. She's very much like her mother. The father, we don't really get a backstory except that, you know, he had like run away once that he... Love interest. Yeah. yeah. He, he found uh-huh. when, 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 the, when uh, she found out that she was pregnant, he ran away. But really, this movie was um, a movie about female friendship, wasn't it? Yeah, about female friendship and talking about how, you know, when you obtain certain powers that it just overcomes your desires to become more greedy and things like that because it's a very the plot is very simple it's very cliche i think it's just a very simple evil versus good and you know you want to overcome what had happened around the world and taking over trying to justify what is actually right Mm. and saving innocent people something like that yeah very simple but at the same time it's very funny and also I think they had characters that is very reflective of what's happening in a lot of countries as well you know we we see this incident of election uh, um, mayor election in the city of Chicago with a female yeah who basically looked like AOC AOC yeah and then and then the the king which is the main bad guy is played by Rose Burns's husband or partner Um, he is basically Donald Trump He's like a little <laughs> tantrumy, tantrumy little boy who like ends up starting to murder his people in his own team. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was really funny. And also Jason Bateman, who's like fucking <laughs> hilarious. Fucking I swear, Jason Bateman is the same in every single movie, but like give me Jason Bateman any day. He's like reliably funny, you know? And like he has I a kind of... I think he's got a certain chemistry yeah, with Melissa yeah, McCartney. He... Have you seen the other film? Like I think it was called... Bad Boss or something? Big Boss? Bad Boss? Um... Identity theft. theft oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, that one was really oh, funny okay, as well. Yeah. They were like like odd couple, <laughs> and it's just the chemistry between them. You don't think it's just really really Can funny. Can I ask you the way that they talk? Do, in in yeah. that movie, do they kiss? No, they were not love interest. Right, in, right, okay. Yeah, because that's what film, bothers yeah. me in this film. Like the whole film, this is like this really funny, but like sweet sexual chemistry between Jason Bateman's character, the crab, <laughs> yes. who's like a half Korean. And not a half Korean. Half Korean. <laughs> That's the only Asian aspect that happened yeah. in the film. Um and uh Melissa McCarthy's character, they have a kind of sexual tension. And then in the end they still mm. don't like well right about the right at the point where they're about to kiss, they like freeze the frame. Which I was like super yeah. disappointed by. Because it's like what a like an an sort of abled looking man who can't kiss a larger looking woman like do you know what I mean like I I didn't like was that he even didn't... considered able in the film well, yeah like... but but yeah still like yeah it's just like I didn't like that they didn't allow them to kiss I I wanted to see that happen yeah you know yeah you don't really see like the two characters that in the mainstream are not considered a couple. Yeah, ever getting together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, I hate it. I didn't like that. And also, the thing that also bothered me, I mean, a lot of things bothered me about this film, like, you know, the fact that Octavia Spencer's character was given the invisibility superpower, which is ironic. Oh, my God, I know. Like, black people are actually invisible in films. (laughs) Yeah. That's just so ironic. I know. You, know, um, you think about it, how it reflects the actual I know, you know, society. Yeah. Why couldn't they do it the other way around, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And also the first Asian character who I saw was like Laser, who plays the bad girl. <laughs> like she's half Asian. 
Yeah, she's half she's Asian. She's half Asian. She's, yeah. the, she's the girl who plays mentors in The Guardian of Galaxy. Yeah, the movies that I absolutely hate because I hate. <laughs> I cannot stand Chris Pine. I cannot stand Chris Pine. He's like, wait, is it Chris Pine or is it Chris? One of the Chris. Yeah, yeah we Chris, don't want to oh go in and Chris, find out which Chris. So many They're Chris's. all the same. I, I feel like I'm making a mistake here. Chris, the guy from Rec Parks and Recs. Yeah, it's not Chris Pine. Chris, Chris Pine something. is the Chris Pine is the guy from Star Trek. Chris Pine, I uh, know. Chris Pine is a Captain America, isn't it? Yeah. Have who's the other Chris? Anyway, yeah. Helen, you do a little Google search while I keep talking. <laughs> um, if you have not seen this film, see it. It is absolutely laugh out loud funny. Um, uh, we need more films like this. I actually, Helen, in the first five minutes, yeah. I actually um, paused the film to see who directed it and who wrote it because yeah. when I go out to watch a film, I always want to know what kind of gender and what kind of sexuality and what kind of like race that the writer is because that shapes everything yeah. I see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I saw that it was Ben Falcone who's like... a it had a male name, so I was like, oh, fuck this. I don't want to watch it. But then I clicked mm-hmm. on his face and I realised it was Melissa McCarthy's husband. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's but the guy really who... doesn't really make like, him, the... you know, justify that he will create I know, it doesn't mean that it's feminist, feminist. Yeah. yeah. But but it, it also... But for me, that's enough assurance uh-huh. that he, he's married to, you know, Melissa yeah. McCarthy, meaning that she would have been shouting in his ear if he mm-hmm. did anything kind of un-feminist, yeah. right? Yeah, so if you don't know, Ben Falcone is the guy who, like, in Bridesmaids, is the guy on the plane who plays the air marshal, <laughs> who, like, Melissa McCarthy's character is like, I know you're an air marshal. He's like, I'm not an air marshal. <laughs> Their relationship is so mm, cute. It's really funny. Okay, yeah. so it's Chris Pratt. Oh, Chris yeah. Pratt. Fuck that. I wasn't it's ever always a cri- why, yeah. why do Marvel hire Chris. white guys, Chris's, Chris's? Yeah, to play fucking Yeah, because Chris is a common name. It's very white. Anyway... <laughs> Okay, um, moving on to books, Helen. Um, so I'm currently reading Breast and Eggs by Meiko Kawakami. Yeah, Meiko. Yeah, I think we've mentioned this book a while ago, but I've just recently received mm. um, through the post. Everything is yeah. so slow now um, coming from overseas. Anyway, the... What's the storyline? The storyline, I've only started about two days ago, so I'm uh, about 60, 60 pages into the story. It started mm. with two sisters. One of the sister is the narrator of the story talking about how they grew up in a very poor family circumstances. The dad left and they, the sisters were left with their mom, and they moved into with their grandmother. They were practically just, you know, um, in the very low-based, almost at the poverty line kind of life. And they work. They, mm. they, the both sisters are in like a. They work as like a hostess in the bars in Japan. And mm. one day mm. that her sister visiting her in Tokyo. Um, started talking about how she wants to get breast implants, which is something that I never seen mm. in a lot of like novels. And she goes in very explicitly, right. talking about how and why. Oh, not why yet, like as in how you can get the procedures. But at this moment, she hasn't explored why her sister wants to get breast implant. And her sister also mm. went into details describing breasts. And also nipples, the size mm. and colors. Wow! Oh my it's god, it's so is interesting in a way that it's just something that and, you never really read. And just read. also, yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Helen, you should also say to the listeners that this is a Japanese book. Yeah, it's written by a female Japanese writer and it's been praised in something, you know, in literature industry in Japan. Yeah, it's very famous. It's everywhere. Yeah. I'm seeing it everywhere. So I think, you know, I think the race of, like, in the last, you know, in the past episodes we've mentioned a lot of female Japanese writers are pretty much raising to the top of talking about their experience as a female in Japan in the society mm, where mm. it's mostly dominated by mm. patriarchy yeah. system and what we see is that a lot of female writers are coming out talking about experience how they were kind of pretty much invisible like I, I grew up reading yeah. Murakame which is a Japanese uh, male you writer did? oh my god Right. And I never, I've never written, yeah, read any of his books because some of his work has been centering female protagonists. That's why I kind of enjoy reading as well. Mm. But it's always from him, from the perspectives of yeah. a male. Exactly. And the last couple of books I've read, including you know, um, what's the name, Sakaya Murata, that I've mentioned about the one who wrote Convenience Woman, uh, Convenience Store Woman. Convenience store woman. And, yeah. and, earthlings, and earthlings, they're both brilliant. And now with Breast and Eggs, Miyako mm. Kawakami, she's just brilliant. It's something, the language is really simple and it's really clean and it's not. Mm. I like that. The way that she writes something that's just so mundane, the everyday life she writes about, how the character goes out to have lunch, um, to have dinner at the Chinese restaurant doesn't really mm. seem very clean. But the whole atmosphere just feels like that you're actually there, like watching yeah. the story of the two sisters, exploring through, through mm. the lenses of how they should be. Basically just how we should be talking about our bodies now because it's been a taboo for female yeah. to talk yeah. about their body in the public arena, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of breast implants, have you ever wanted to get breast implants? Um, this is something really interesting. Okay, for me, I wouldn't say no, but it's not uh, something that I think was so important, like such a desire as yeah, much that... as what the character right. in the book has been talked about. Yeah. In the book, the older sister who is trying to get breast implants spoke to her younger sister about it and when the younger sister was reflecting on herself, she asked, oh, have I ever thought about it? She said that I will be lying yeah. if I haven't because she said that. Yeah, totally. She start expanding it to the idea of how the societies have put on this perfect image of woman everywhere in the media. And yeah. it's hard not to, to be... Want yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, it's, not, it's hard not yeah. to want that. You know, you're seeing young girls yeah. who want to dress up as influence now. I mean, when we're, when yeah. back in our day, when we're teenagers, you know, we call them idols, but now they're influencers. Yeah. yeah, just the amount of influence now online, what you see on TV, it's just, what do you think? Have you ever yeah, I mean, given a thought? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I have a story related to that, but I wanted to say the whole mm. point of advertisement um, and businesses is to curate your desire. You know, yeah. so anytime you watch a movie or you see a photo of a model on a, in a magazine, mm -hmm. they're selling something and they're also telling you what you should want, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. which is why it's so important for us to like, I don't know, for me, I just step away from that mm -hmm. because I know I'm quite susceptible to all mm -hmm. that. 
So I tried to just not be expose myself too much to advertisements or anything like that because I know I will start to want those things. And they're not really my own wants. Mm-hmm. They're, they're things that are um, thrust upon me because I'm such a porous person. I know that. I'm extremely self-aware. Says the self-aware person, um, <laughs> ironically. Um, so, yeah, I have a good story about wanting to get breast implants. Um, uh, when I was 21, 20, 21, mm-hmm. I went over to WA to volunteer on a um, vineyard yep. for about a month. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I think so. Yeah, so yeah. basically... Yeah, I wanted to go overseas by myself, but because mum and dad didn't let me, um, I, <laughs> 21, yeah, I, I chose the capital. Yeah, I chose the capital city that was furthest away from, <laughs> from home, Perth. And then, like outside of three hours outside of Perth, I was um, on this uh, South African's vineyard. Mm-hmm. And um, on that vineyard during that time, I was like, um, I spent, uh, I lived with other backpackers. Yep. I mean, and they were all from overseas, and one of them from from the UK. The one that I got along with most was um, this woman called Jen. She was from Sweden mm-hmm. uh, and she was the most interesting. She had really large mm-hmm. breasts and then her friend there who was from the UK also had large breasts and um, I remember like she, she was the, the UK girl told me that she had got breast implants and the way that she had spoken about it, she was like 19 and she had breast mm-hmm. implants. I remember the way she spoke about it. It was as though she was just like, yeah, I just popped into the dentist and got my... <laughs> teeth cleaned Uh it was like that simple Uh you know so I was like oh maybe I could do that too it just seemed like such a like easy process and also I back then I thought I would love to have bigger breasts because I would feel more feminine Mm. you know because my breasts are quite small and then um Jen the the Swedish woman she was like um I literally want breast reduction surgery because like she says she can't even go for a run because when she runs her lower back hurts because her breasts Mm -hmm. actually like hunch her yeah. down because they're so uh-huh. heavy and and I guess yeah and I guess like thanks to you know lovely um like the men I've chosen in my life as in like the men I'm with um I they have never made me feel bad about my small mm-hmm. breasts so I'm lucky in that sense that like I have surrounded myself with like loving people who have not made me feel like I needed mm-hmm. big breasts mm-hmm. in order to feel like mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. you know yeah, I think most of the time it's not who you're with sexually who determines what you want mm. of how your how you how your body should turn out. Yeah, it's sometimes it's mm. like external influences, like I said before, like media, celebrity influences, because they give you like a mirage of having mm. certain body shape will give you happiness or bring yeah. you certain I don't know attractions and things like that but it's always been very capitalized isn't it like the idea of how your body should be look like and I know that um when I like put on like uh those uh what are those called they they like the um the sort of pads the cups that you stick to your breasts that make your breasts yeah padding yeah that's squished together I know like I think once every five years I use that Mm -hmm. Um, to go out on a special occasion and like immediately I feel like more sexually I feel horny just looking at myself <laughs> in, the, in the mirror with these like bre- breasts with, when, I, when I have a cleavage yeah. I never have a cleavage but like when I wear those pads I have a cleavage and I'm like oh my yeah. god I'm horny I'm horny <laughs> because press, breasts are like super sexual it's super sexual know? and presents a kind of like a confidence because you lift your chest up yeah you know you have your yeah, chest exactly. forward yeah. and up and then probably like there's a some kind of aspects of confidence in it as well yeah Yeah. 
And maybe there's this idea of like wanting to have sex with someone with big breasts because it's like, oh, she will be a good mother because, you know, breasts give milk. So there's that maternal yeah, the element biological to biological influence, of course, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, moving on to... How about let's take a break? Yeah, let's take a break now. Yeah, and we'll come back and talk about what we did over the weekend because both of Helen and I went I to busy. really <laughs> interesting places around New South Wales. So uh, we'll be back. Want the epic stuff, the extraordinary stuff, the edge of your seat stuff? You know, the good stuff with AMC+. Plus. You can watch the best of AMC, BBC America, IFC, Sundance Now, Shudder, and more. Hungry for horror? Feast on Shudder's chilling originals like Creepshow Season 2 and killer premieres like Train to Busan Presents Peninsula. Got a need for speed? The boys are back with an epic tour of the UK as Top Gear races through a new season. All available on AMC+, Plus, ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com. AMC+, Plus, only the good stuff. Okay, so we're back. Helen, this weekend I have been dying to take my boyfriend who is a vegan Mm -hmm. and my best friend George to the farm sanctuary up north in Wollombi. Wollombi? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's called the Where Pigs Fly Farm Sanctuary. It's run Mm -hmm. by this woman called Debbie with her partner Jamie. And it's basically like a sanctuary where everything is volunteer, um, Mm -hmm. non-for-profit run. And it's a sanctuary where um, neglected farm animals um, are taken and basically are allowed to run free. Oh, so it's like a rescue shelter for yeah, exactly. farm animals as well. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was so magical. I loved it. It was such a beautiful day when we went. Um, my mm. favorite animal was definitely pigs. The pigs. It was like <laughs> they were the cutest pigs there. And like really, like um, pigs are so intelligent. What I learned that day was like Debbie mm. was like, you know how we have to toilet train puppies. Well, like mm-hmm. pigs don't even need to be toilet trained. They know like to like pee away mm-hmm. from where they eat. They yeah. don't need to be taught things and they're super intelligent. And we also met a little piglet as well. It's like mm-hmm. three weeks old called Henry, I think his name was, or Teddy. Teddy, yeah. Um, you guys should all check out the Instagram page. It's really cute, Where Pigs Fly Farm Sanctuary. Um, and uh, really it just made me think like, yeah, I don't want to eat these creatures. Because they show the sign of intelligence. Well, they're so cute. They're so cute. And Mm -hmm. also, it'll be so hypocritical of me to, like, love, like, cute puppies, but also, but at the same time, eat animals. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. seem, it just seems like such a conflict in my head. Um, Yeah, so, like, since Sunday, I've actually not eaten anything dairy or, like, meat. Not that I'm, like, broadcasting any kind of vegan preachingism. (laughs) Um, I'm just, like, I've been vegan before. So, you Mm -hmm. know, this is nothing new. But, like, um, it feels different now because Andrew and I, my partner and I have a lot of conversations about this and he is like the mm-hmm. most highly intelligent human being I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to humans and animals, like the discussions we have are really changing the way I see what kind of compassion means and where I choose to place my attention when it comes to like living a life that doesn't contradict my values. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, definitely. I think it's not easy because when you're choosing to become vegan you forgo even animal products isn't it like when i was asking Everything, the other yeah. day you know we're talking about cheese milk even honey mm. eggs yeah. um you would start to consider that okay as a human you know we are what's it called um, exploiting 
No, what's the term that we eat vegetables and meat as well? There's herbivore, carnivore, and omnivore. That's the word I was looking for. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of evolved into omnivore that we eat both, you know, meat because we need the、mm. protein.、Mm. But as the knowledge expands, we can see that there is actually protein sources that we can extract from that are not animal based. Yeah, of course.、Um, Like you, I'm not sending out you know、um, ideas that we should become vegans, but it's also it's also to do with environment as well. Yeah, yeah. I think、um, I had a lot of influence from my daughter because a lot of things that I never really consider. She's、mm. she's quite similar to Andrew. I think she's got that certain element in her that will make you think, oh, geez, where's she where's she got that kind of ideas from? Because she's only a child.、Yeah. She doesn't read.、Yeah. Propagandas from vegans, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, or Peter, you know the what's、yeah. it called, the protection or was it? I can't even、yeah. remember the, the agency. Some yeah, PETA. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what、right. it stands、yeah. for, but I was obsessed with Peter when I became vegan. Um, they're actually not very good. There's a lot of problems with Peter. But she just told me that you know, there's things that you need to think about environment, or also things for the animal welfare.、Mm. That will actually slow you down of the consumption of meat products. Yeah. Yeah. I remember、um, in my twenties when I became vegan, it was really for the idea that, like, when I, I, the one fact that changed me was actually this、um, one pamphlet that said that、um, something like、um, it takes like a gazillion liters of water to. Um, grow grains in order、mm-hmm. to, and the grains can then turn into、um, meal for like feed, lot like a、uh, food for animals, which we then、mm-hmm. slaughter, which we then eat, and like、yeah. a, a lot of the world's、um, population can't afford、um, meat, right? They can only afford、mm-hmm. grains, and、mm-hmm. the fact that we're giving these grains to animals, which we then slaughter, which we then eat, just seemed to me like such an egregious act of like,、um, in. I don't know if entitlement is the right word, but like I just didn't. I felt like I didn't want to contribute to that kind of cycle. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it just seemed ridiculous、yeah. that so much of the world's、um, grain feed, right, which could be given to human beings, is actually given to farm animals who are like killed for、mm-hmm. our own consumption. It just seems、yeah. ridiculous. I think it's the con- consumption of proteins and also. It goes into the cycle of capitalism as well. It always、yeah. comes down to how you make money out of certain things, and people like businessmen will create an image of telling you, like going back to what we were just talking about about breast implant. They're telling you what you should be eating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your own well-being. But then you know, like we all we all know about the myth of breakfast. You know the yeah. <laughs> A glass of milk,、cereal. a tub、yeah. of yogurt, a slice of cheese for calcium. Yeah, yeah this this uh the meat industry is very powerful. Like um,、mm-hmm. when I drive into Broadway, my local shopping center in Glebe, I um literally you know the bumper, bumper boom gates. Yeah, yeah on the boom, the boom gate, gate、yeah. there's there's a advertisement tied onto the boom gate, and it has like a picture、yeah. of a. Cow on a farm, and it's like、uh-huh. Farmdale organic meat or something like that. <laughs> it's like everywhere, <laughs> it's telling everywhere is telling you, yeah, 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 exactly. 
And I have to say just one more point, and I will stop, I promise, but it will be a recurring <laughs> thing that I will never stop talking about. But the most interesting people I've met in the last 12 months have been vegan, two mm-hmm. people. Like the genius yeah. writer Sue S.L. Lim, mm-hmm. she's a vegan. And okay. she's Asian as well, which, like, gives me hope because I used to say that the vegan space in Sydney, at least, is so white. And I think yeah. it is still very white. Very white, yep. But but SL Lim is not white like me. So um, it's not completely white, I guess. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. gives me a little, I don't know, it feels a bit comforting to know that, it you know, it's not a space just for white people. Mm-hmm. I think what Asian vegans need to do is share recipes mm, or the actual well, basic ingredients that you can... Get, yeah. which is convenient and also healthy as well yeah yeah I mean, there's not enough recipes out there that's why people are scared <laughs> oh no there's vegan. actually yeah, yeah it's, there's a gazillion i mean there things. is yeah, it's just that so you much. need time to go and look it up and make yeah. it more convenient yeah, yeah. Mm. what did you do this weekend well this week is the second week of school holiday so i'm still kind of stuck with the kids and try to find <laughs> activities for them to do so over the last weekend we went up to Bill Pine the other side of Blue Mountain to do apple picking what we usually do almost every year just around the Easter we didn't do last year because of COVID so we stopped going out you know practically mm-hmm. like after March so this year we went up to Bill Pine and seen a lot of business coming back and kind of ramped up after the fire, uh, bushfire in 2019 as well. There's a couple of places mm-hmm. and were affected. Uh, it was a really great day. And apart from that, the last two days, I, I did a lot of exercise the last two days. On Tuesday mm. was a net well where there was this, I don't know if anyone knows or has been to treetop around New South Wales where they have they put up obstacles on the really high trees where you have to climb and you're like right. kind of suspended in the midair to mm. do those climbs but net well is one of the activity up on the central coast where they have you know those at circus what do you call the um <laughs> what do you call those performers that those trapeze Trapeze, they, yeah, the trapeze, yeah. They have like the safety net underneath. So the tra- net world is practically those safety nets, but it's like a, a hundred times larger. Yeah. And they're like bounce, yeah. bouncy materials where you can jump around. They have huge balls that you can play. And usually they're very young kids. Mm. They're like primary school um, age kids. They looked very fun. The videos. It was massive. Yeah. (laughs) But it was like after two hours jumping and walking on those kind of like bouncing materials, like exhausting my legs. I want want to do that afterwards. You know, you should, yeah, you should tell me because I'll take Andrew there. Andrew likes trampolining. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But there's so many kids. You either go very early or you're stuck with a bunch of kids. They're just screaming and shouting. Well, you did go during the school holidays. Yeah, we did go during the school holidays. Are they only open during the school holidays? Because like I can't imagine there will be any kids. You have to check. During like yeah. like 12 p.m. on a Monday, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to check the opening time. Yeah, some of the facilities only open during the school holidays. You know, otherwise there won't be anyone. Mm. Um, apart from that, yesterday we went to do stand up paddling again because it was 25 degrees plus. Um, yesterday, that's probably the warmest day in this week. So we went up to Lake Macquarie to do stand up paddling. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit cold and quite windy, to be honest. I think it w- I found it hard to paddle. 
yeah, right. to just try to like get out in the middle of the water. Mm. And uh, we were very lucky because we went at around 2 p.m. and literally there wasn't anyone else. <laughs> we right. were the only yeah. uh, family hiring the stand-up paddling board. Were you scared about sharks or anything like that? No, it was in the, it's in the lake. Okay. I mean, it was a saltwater lake. Okay. Yeah, we saw something really strange yesterday. Oh, Did yes. I, I, sure, I sent you yeah. the picture. I yeah, can't you, even, you I should, still couldn't figure it out. You should post out. that up on Instagram <laughs> and then ask our listeners what they think it is. It was like a jellyfish massive thing. sea slug or something like that. Yeah, it was like, like a, like a ca- ca- cuttlefish. Size of a football. A catfish yeah, was, or something? Yeah. A I, we thought it was a cuttlefish at yeah. first. Yeah. But then you had two eye-looking right. shape in front. Yeah. And it was massive. We initially thought it was a piece of rock. Yeah. But then you had like a slimy. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm and glad you didn't touch well. it. We didn't touch it, yeah. Was that the first time your daughter, who is only eight, paddleboarded? Uh, no, I think it was the third or the fourth time. Wow. Yeah, so she's... she's privileged. Just kidding. Yeah, she's privileged. <laughs> um, how, how is she? She looks pretty good on it, the videos Yeah, I saw she's really her. good. I think she's improving with her turning left yeah. and right. And yeah. regarding to yesterday's win as well, she was doing yeah. quite well. Yeah. Did any well, of you... It was really tired for me. Yeah, well, yeah, did any of you fall into the water? No, I think... Um, by doing yoga since last year, my yeah. balance has improved, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and we had a really massive board as well. So yeah, that's good. It wasn't hard to, yeah, yeah. to control. Um, I did stand up paddleboard. I think the last time was in 2019 when I was in Florida outside of um, Daytona Beach. I was at New uh-huh. Smyrna Beach with my um, t- tutor. I was at a writer's residency. Pam Houston uh, yeah. was my tutor. And um, she took us all paddleboarding, and I got a heat stroke. Oh, I got a heat stroke because yeah, it was you so really hot. Have to and be careful. Oh yeah. my god, you're literally under the sun for two hours. Like I didn't take a gap, but we were out there for two hours on a river. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. So yeah, because yes. you're exposed and on yeah, the water, exactly. you're having yeah. the the light reflecting back yeah. onto you. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah. It's so like you need to be very careful. I would yeah. next time wear a hat, like a massive hat, at least. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. All right, so um, we're going to take a break and Mm -hmm. then we'll come back and talk about which city is better, Melbourne or Sydney? Oh, is it better? Is that the comparison that we're going to make? Well, what did you think it was? (laughs) I thought we were just going to talk about two cities and let people judge. (laughs) Oh, well, we all know it's Melbourne. Okay, I give in. It's Melbourne, obviously. You know, it really depends what kind of person you are, but I'm pretty sure Mm. anyone who's listening to this podcast would agree it's Melbourne, okay, obviously, <laughs> because we're art- we are, we're artsy people, okay? We're artsy people. I mean, I, I say this, but anyway, we'll take a break and then I'll start my rant. <laughs> we'll be right back. Helen. <laughs> so, um... The reason this came up, which was funny, mm-hmm. the reason why Helen and I are talking about it today is because a few mo- weeks ago, Helen and I were sourcing out speakers for this festival that we have coming up that Helen yep. and I are still yet to announce. It's we're very working exciting. On it yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in September and October, and we're going to release details of it over the next few months. But the thing is, like, um, what happened was Helen and I were texting each other, and we were like looking for smart people in the arts 
industry who were related to mm-hmm. this thing that we're working on that's yeah. related to literature. Yeah. And um, one, and then a few after a few texts and fro- to and fro, Helen remarked on her texts. Fuck another <laughs> another one from Melbourne. Why are they all from Melbourne? So like <laughs> yeah. I've always known that um, Melbourne is the like where all the greatest writers in at least in Australia come from. Like Helen Garner, Christos Chalkis, Anna mm. Cl- Anna Crean. Um, you name another. Aussie writer, they're probably from Melbourne. Michelle de Kretzer, you know, only recently migrated to Sydney. But, like, there's something about Melbourne that, you know, feeds this kind of um, artistically-minded soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's really based on, like, that, that kind of history is you just have to look at the way in which Melbourne and Victoria was set up to to actually see why that is the case, you know? Like mm-hmm. I I always thought that um Sydney is completely void of anyone smart or interesting because of <laughs> uh, because of Bondi. Like yeah, literally like um the weather makes you dumb. I'm kidding obviously. Yeah. But like um there's something about a certain cohort of people that um live in a really idyllic like seaside place that means that they're not interested in like suffering, you know? Mm. <laughs> Or like they they have a a particular kind of wealth that boys that like kind of shields them away from interesting insight and adversity, you know. Mm-hmm. Like sunlight just makes you happy, right? Yeah, I think weather definitely plays a large part of creativity and how one behaves in their life or how one sees how the life develops. Um, so our family's relationship with two cities mm. initially will be starting from Melbourne yep. because we immigrate to Melbourne first rather than Sydney. Yeah. Um, our dad picked Melbourne, I think it was because uh, he had a business trip, was it? 40, yeah. 35, 40 years ago? Yeah, in yeah, 1987, the year I was born. Yeah, my dad actually left the month I was oh, born. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, to Melbourne. All right, yeah. okay. Um, so when he came back, he, he had a thought about, this is what he told us later saying that, oh, he really liked the, you know, the country Australia when we didn't even know what the, the fuck vibes. is Australia. Cause the only Western nation that we know when we were growing up was UK and America. America. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, dad was totally. telling us, oh, how good the air is, how good, you know, the, yeah. how nice the people are. The sky, the sky is so the blue. The sky was yeah, so blue. Things like that. Yeah. I think we really take that for granted. Like in Taiwan, yeah, it's rare true. to see yeah. a blue sky. Uh-huh. Perhaps back then, I don't know <laughs> what it's like now. <laughs> well, when I was in Taipei two years ago, I saw blue skies. Yeah, it's improving. It's improving in Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. So we had the opportunity to immigrate to Melbourne, um, what, four or five years after Dad's visit to Australia. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know why he picked Melbourne first. Is it because... Well, it's because his friend was I here. Think, yeah, I think that would, might, might be the main Pombobor. reason. Yeah. One of our grandparents' yeah. friends already living in Melbourne. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we moved to Melbourne for, I think... And spent yeah, a year. spent about one and a half year before that dad, oh, okay. you know, purchased a, a business in Sydney and we business moved up to in Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Um, what was yeah. your memories about... How, how sad, by yeah, the way. It was really sad for us. I mean, at least for me, well, I think look, I, I don't remember. Oh, you didn't remember? Right. You remember? Yeah, because oh, I was okay. ten I already when all. we moved to Melbourne, right. and I remember yeah. that moving to like away from Taiwan was really sad because I already had a very close friends, fr- yeah, yeah, so-called friends, 
in yeah. Taiwan. And I kept maintaining writing to them for the year I was in Melbourne. And oh, that's so cute, Hell. I didn't think that we'll move so this. soon. Like, it was only like 13 yeah. or 14 months of time that we were yeah. in Melbourne. And we moved yeah. quite a bit of uh, around the schools as well. I think we, well, at least, yeah. at least for me, because you were like pre kindy, weren't you? You were like three or four. Yeah. Um, Three yeah. schools in Melbourne. There was involved in two public schools and one language school. Oh, we also have to mention yeah. we were living in Burwood or Birdwood. Burwood, I think it was a Burwood. We lived in Burwood. We lived on Four Reeves Street, Burwood. <laughs> yeah, and we lived in the... Box Hill. <laughs> yeah, I, we lived in Box Hill as well. That was our first place. Yeah. Box Hill. We rented in Box Hill for about six months, and then we got a place in Burwood. Oh, it was a Box Hill? I think it was Q. Oh, Q. Q. Yeah. We we lived. We then ha- where was Box Hill? Box Hill is the place that we usually go for grocery shopping oh, because there's full of right. Asians there. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I said like when I said before like it was sad that we moved. I don't mean like I ever actually remember the move. I don't at all. Mm. But I think it's sad because like I often think if I stayed in Melbourne, I would be infinitely a more interesting person. Oh, okay. And I'd be like more creative. I'd be surrounded by more like. Asian people who are in the arts, like it's really hard to find really kind of alternative Asian people here in Sydney, I find, at least this is my opinion. Um, Obviously, if you're out there, you should totally reach out to me. But uh, yeah, I find that Melbourne is just like so interesting. And I mean, right now, when I talk about Melbourne, I'm like, I fucking hate Melbourne because Melbourne's full of fucking hipsters. (laughs) But like, like like I said, Melbourne would have, like mum often said that she found Melbourne people more friendly. I remember that. Yep. She said the neighbours in Definitely. Melbourne were more friendly. Yeah. Um, the reason being that we had a lot of help from our neighbours when we first moved into Burwood. Um, I remember we yeah. had this, um, I think he's a professor. He's Chinese ethnicity and he had a Caucasian mm. wife and they actually came in to rescue. Remember mum had like one of the this midnight emergency that where she had to go to the hospital. I remember, I remember Amar her? was with us that time what happened to mom i cannot honestly i cannot remember but i remember amar told me to go and get someone from our neighbor who can speak chinese i mean back then i was, i can't really speak much english either so um i just remember that getting that chinese professor uh, a professor who was chinese ethnicity and with his wife who's caucasian who also speaks chinese to come and help us yeah. i think they got like a uh, after our GP to come and check on mom could it have right. been like anxiety or a panic attack for mom yeah because I couldn't yeah. see I don't yeah, remember probably. there was any physical injury but yeah. we always had How yeah nice neighbors in Melbourne I think yeah that's such an interesting yeah that's so interesting because yeah like um I my our mom is like the most put together woman in the world which means you know she must have had like Anytime I see someone who's really put together, I'm just always suspicious that they must, internally, there must be something wrong going on, that they are able to hide it so mm. well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I wonder if it is a panic attack. I wonder if I could ask mum. Do you think it would be okay if I ask mum now? Yeah. I don't, I don't think there should be anything wrong. Okay. Yeah. I think we, should, we can ask mum. It's like almost 30 years now. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so where Helen and I are one of four and Helen's the oldest and every time I talk to new friends about Helen, they're like, oh yeah, Helen must have suffered the most because 
Helen, you were like <laughs> you were like prepubescent, pubescent when all the these these changes made made were made. You know, yeah. like you literally couldn't speak English, and I think you also were like this really hurts me to say it, and because I want to kill those people who did it. But you were also bullied at high school. Yeah, right? I was bullied in high school because I couldn't speak properly English. I mean, I don't feel like I'm speaking properly English Fuck them. now. <laughs> Should go, should go find those guys and fucking kill them right now. I think a lot of like the first child of the immigrant family will resonate pretty much with me because we are pretty much like yeah. the icebreaker for a lot of culture clash, especially yeah. when you're growing up in this, you know, you're not your native country, and you're faced with a different culture, a different language, and mm. you are trying to please your parents as well. But at the same time, as, as well as yeah, fitting, was fitting. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't easy. Which is literally the most is like the an impossible thing to do, right? <laughs> it's not it's easy. Impossible. I don't think it's impossible. It's just not easy. Yeah, uh, I think it's impossible. <laughs> when it comes to like Taiwan versus Taiwan versus Australian culture, there's nothing like less coherent. And I think a lot of Asian diasporas will feel the same as well because your parents left the country whether it's during the 90s or the 80s, somehow they're stuck and frozen in that kind of time frame. And yeah. it's not yeah. easy for the parents to move forward. And mm. they just feel like they need to preserve some kind of, I don't know how to describe it, some kind of like culture identity, but it's in that certain yeah. time frame. And our parents mm. often, like I'm kind of derailed from our main topic today, but I think it's really important to talk about yeah in the sense that a lot of parents just stuck in that time frame and they don't feel like they need to move forward because yeah, it's like, yeah. um, I wouldn't say it's causing shame on their family, but they feel like they need to make themselves different because they yeah. always think that, oh, white culture is too liberated or it's um, yeah. too sexualized. <laughs> when we were growing up, dad often say that, yeah. you know, don't... Yeah. dates or don't look at white materials like media things like that because to sexualize mm. and things like that yeah i mean in terms of immigration i wanted to move on to the history of melbourne and victoria mm -hmm. like that's really where the gold rush yes. happened in the 1800s and a lot of people from asian countries i'm not going to be specific mm -hmm. here because i have not done my research, but a lot of um, Chinese people, for instance, moved to um, Victoria during yes. that time, you know, 200, 250 years ago. So uh, Victoria has a really, really deep and much longer history of like earlier settlers mm -hmm. um, from different countries compared to New South Wales. And that has like fed through to present day where you have really like established families and um kind of communities of people who are not white in and around Victoria and Melbourne, which then feeds into the fact that it is just more culturally diverse and more culturally accepting of other views and embracing, mm -hmm. you know, embrace, embrace, there's an embracing engagement that people have around like being okay with people of other colors, yeah. you know? And like, it kind of ties in with the fact that when I look at press releases about like, because the publication I work for, Women's Agenda, we focus on women, news that affects women. And 
literally every day I'll get some press release sent to me about like some new initiative mm-hmm. that the Andrews government, Daniel Andrews, who's the Premier of Victoria, has enacted mm-hmm. um, and is like be it women's shelter or like women's rights or like some new subsidised funding for like women who need extra childcare uh, or like disabled um, women with disability, mm-hmm. you know, some new yeah. program. Seriously, it, they always, always start in Victoria. Yeah. It's like Victoria is the most left-wing government we have and like it, it's not it's not a coincidence that you know they also have the most culturally diverse artistically mm-hmm. diverse you know whatever diversity um it all feeds back into this like politics and immigration and arts you know all of that kind of is a cohesive um it makes mm-hmm. sense is basically what i'm saying you know why why that government yeah and why that place is so capital uh Lowercase mm-hmm. liberal, lowercase yeah. liberal, yeah. I think with um, the Labour government, it tends to be not focusing so much in the development. On, I mean, there's major infrastructures happened in New South Wales, particularly Sydney, in the last few years because it's under Liberal government. We're yeah. speaking politically now because what we've seen, like what Jess has suggested in the sense that Labour government in Victoria are more taking initiative of looking after people rather than putting the monies of the developers in. Um, yeah. Um, I think in the sense of community, Melbourne always gave me the feeling that it's diverse, but it's also in the in the sense of friendliness. I haven't encountered, I didn't know about the term racism until we moved to mm. Sydney. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, because yeah, the, we were, we were not in Melbourne that long anyway, you know, just a little over a year. Yeah. But not long after yep. we moved to Sydney, like I encountered racism behaviors from people of the public. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are racists yeah, everywhere. Yeah, that's true. You know, there are racists in Melbourne. But yeah, no, I, I couldn't, I could not, not possibly give you a reason why, mm. why um you like. It's not to say that if you stayed in Melbourne, you wouldn't have faced racists mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, so I've got some of the basic uh, like demographic information in front of me now of Sydney versus Melbourne. Um, this is mm-hmm. taken a couple of years ago, so we might have information nowadays, but this is what I've got right now. Um, this is taken from Mike Crindle's demographic information. So at the moment, population-wise, Sydney is bigger, but Melbourne is growing 18% faster and possibly will become oh, wow. Australia's largest city by 2050. According to this study that Sydney is actually more culturally diverse and gets twice as many overseas visitors because I guess it's oh, yeah. more of an international city. Recognized, and also yeah. it's like um, superficially more appealing. Yeah, because, because of, of the, the beach and the harbour, and opera house, you know, the iconic yeah. buildings, yeah. etc. Um, let me see. The ancestry of two cities. Melbourne actually have a higher population of English ancestry and we have about seven percent of chinese ancestries in in sydney whereas melbourne i don't have the i don't have the database right here like the the first asian place of birth that is on the list is 2.5 2.8 percent is from india that's in melbourne oh okay Yeah. yeah and the weather of course we always talk about weather Sydney gets more rain but yeah. has more sunny days. Yeah. Okay. People complain about the weather in Melbourne. I think yeah, like yeah. we said, it could be one of the reasons. Because it's cold. Yeah. Or it's, it's much, much colder. colder and 
where Sydney, where Harvest City, <laughs> you get, you know, like 107 days of clear weather in a year. Wow. Wow. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Artistically, let's talk about the art, yeah. you know, yeah. arena comparing two cities. What do you think as in the yeah. sense of, I haven't honestly, like this is, this sounds bad because I haven't visited much of the art museums in Melbourne. Like every time I went to mm. Melbourne, it would be like the zoo, <laughs> the Korean, mm. um, Flinders Station, and that's about it. And of course, a lot of cafes. I think the eateries, yeah. the the quantity might not be as much as in compared to Sydney, but the quality I feel like is definitely better. The food culture. Yeah. I think um, I like um, just in terms of numbers. I'm pretty sure Sydney would have just as many um, museums mm-hmm. and art galleries as Melbourne. Maybe if 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 you were to scale a chart, Melbourne perhaps is a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the Melbourne government, the new Victorian government, I think definitely pumps more money into its arts and you know arts and creativity, uh-huh. arts scene industries. Mm. You know. Um, uh, so so that kind of makes sense. Uh, I just feel like um, there's something about the sort of... Um, there's something about the weather that lends itself mm-hmm. to... It's such a big um, factor of two... The of, sort yeah. of... Yeah, the sort of art that is created mm-hmm. as well. You know, like I think of Melbourne as this kind of grungy place with an attitude... <laughs> Or at least more grungy than Sydney, and Sydney is more like refined and uh, like it's more superficially appealing, mm-hmm. you know. And so that to me, Sydney seems like a city that is um, what it has going for it is something that doesn't feel to me that has a lot of substance. Like a beautiful beach is a beautiful beach, right? But give me like a really interesting. Um, uh, music venue any mm-hmm. day like I would pick that on any day like there's just something about um, the kind of art that is created in l- less physically appetizing places that for me is inherently more like substantial mm-hmm. and interesting and unique mm-hmm. you know like um, there is a there is a reason why there are no interesting art galleries or music venues around Bondi or in the eastern suburbs because like it's already attractive suburbs, enough what, as it is exactly yeah. what it's going for what it has going for it is like the beach yeah. literally the mm-hmm. beach and like the physical environment like so why would you choose to like go to like how would anyone nobody would put an interesting and alternative um, music gig on like Campbell Parade, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't do that. Campbell Parade, by the way, if you don't know, is the main street that is like runs along Bondi mm-hmm. Beach. Yeah. Um, like also the people, I have to say, like um, I'm very unlikely to meet um, someone who I would get along with who lives in Bondi Beach, for instance, mm-hmm. because someone who lives in Bondi Beach is someone who is interested in stuff that I will not be interested in. I think you live where you where you value. Mm-hmm. You put your value in where you live, like your location. And like, obviously that's like a super fucking like privilege entitled thing for me to say <laughs> because like I'm assuming that people have choice in where they live where like 99% of people don't. Mm. Like for instance, Helen, you live in the Central Coast. If you could live anywhere else, you would probably live in Newtown, right? Oh, I would like to live in Newtown, but with the circumstances of having kids and dogs. 
and my preferences of yeah, right. you know living near the beach. And affordability as well, of right, course, yeah. you know, considering the affordability. Yeah. Like I would like to live close to the beach, but probably, well, definitely not Bondi because I know that's the, not the type of social circle that I prefer. Yeah, Bondi is just full of, yeah, like people under 25 who just want to have sex like every single night. Um, and like literally are obsessed with how they look. I was feel like uh, who uh, whoever lives in Bondi have their own Instagram and um, account, and there must be like half a million followers on their account. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's just based on these <laughs> generic photos of the sunset. Yeah. Well, according to hostelworld um, dot com, they made the conclusion of between two cities that um, depends on your personality and your characteristics, which city will suit you better. So for Sydney, mm. if you like decent weather, beautiful beaches, and are desperate to see some Australia's renowned icons, if you're generally getting a kick out of visiting the odd, um, and visiting the odd tourist attractions, yet still to be close to the nature, then Sydney is the place for you. Whereas for Melbourne, you'll love it if you want to experience the beating half of of Australia by immersing yourself in its culture, art, food, and nightlife. If you're a fan of boutique shopping, colourful cocktails, and considering yourself a coffee connoisseur, then Melbourne is the city for you. I think, like we said, um, the climate and the weather plays a huge part in determining how these two cities are different. Because when you're already already privileged with a really good and warm um, environment... People don't feel like you need to have the desire to create something. Whereas, comparing yeah, exactly. to Melbourne, if you have raining mm. day and you feel cold, it kind of pushes you to create an environment that you need to feel nice in it. So it pushes yeah, exactly. your limit to expand your creativity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I find that list uh, that that thing you just quoted. Mm-hmm. You know, the quiz, if you like Melbourne, if you like Sydney, interesting. Um, you mentioned nightlife. It's just something that I think is really interesting. Like um, Melbourne's nightlife is, you know, one of the things that um, it, it markets itself mm-hmm. on, you know. Yeah. Um, I would say before I go on my little spew about nightlife that um, I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he said. Like I still like Melbourne. Like I think Melbourne is definitely far more superior <laughs> as a city than Sydney. <laughs> Um, but I'm not a con- coffee connoisseur, you know, mm. and I don't like, I'm not a art gallery snob. I, I don't go to cafes like and drink, you know, I'm not like, but, but the, but the thing is, um, uh, nightlife, like, um, you know, Melbourne has, one of the things that I find so appealing about Melbourne is, you know, the ads that they used to run oh, on, Mel- yes. on TV, I love the they music. were so beautiful, Yes, especially the one, yeah, with the woman uh-huh. who like wakes up with a guy and then you just see her I think Tourism Victoria done yeah, and then, a very, very good job. Oh, I even, Tourism Victoria. I remember is, the song now. I think it. I think it's like yeah. falling in love again. I love that song. Na, na, what am I to do? Can't help See, they have creativity in even in their ad yeah, team, I know. in their advertisement. And then, and yeah, Sydney exactly. They're like, they're like really <laughs> graceful and stylish. And Sydney has like fucking Lara Bingle, right? <laughs> <laughs> seriously god that is so embarrassing um and um 
But uh, yeah, and also the Run Rabbit. Oh, run. that was a really remember good one. that ad. Yeah. yeah, like all of the ads are so beautiful and kind of like quirky mm-hmm. and like which is with personality, yeah. you know. And like, um, Sydney suffers because of um, <laughs> there is no there's very little nightlife, right? Because of the lockout yes. laws that were you know mandated. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, nightlife and live music is very much entwined. And when the lockout laws were imposed a few years ago, um, a lot of music in the music industry mm-hmm. suffered yeah. and it just hasn't been able to recover. And sadly, since COVID has happened, it's even it's the worse. effect has been yeah. even yeah, it has been even more devastating. But um, a lot of great bands come from Melbourne. Um, you can be a more like liberal mm. performer mm. in a band in Melbourne. I think there are more like venues that are not as kind of like hyper red lined, mm-hmm. red taped. Um, I think there's something to do. Like I don't drink. Like I'm not a big drinker, right? So I don't like I give me like Netflix and like. Uh, night in over any day over any night over like going out mm-hmm. I hate going out um, but but there is sort of like I've been thinking about nighttime recently and I think the reason why young people love going out at night is like a lot of them are single mm-hmm. right and like there's a sense of uh, like possibility yeah there's a sense of possibility and like not knowing what the night will end up and also there's like the the atmosphere of everything being dark around you means that you can actually kind of be more a little more yeah. loose and like um kind of more um free mm-hmm. and because you're drinking that in turn makes you more like you know less when you're not sober you're obviously less inhibited mm-hmm. by your natural insecurities and anxieties so like i understand why like nightlife and like night culture is so much enmeshed in like youth mm-hmm. culture and youth culture is all about exploration and like discovery and artistic yes. exploration yes. you know yeah yeah I, I totally agree what you said i think nightlife brings out like the sense of mysterious within it and yeah. people want to kind of it kind of and with the <laughs> with alcohol you kind of let your guards down and and you can open up to talk about anything when you're not really i don't know how to explain it it's just that when like a dark it is, there must be like a sense of darkness com- combination with the alcohol that makes people relax yeah. and enjoy yeah, themselves exactly. as well at the same time yeah. you would probably it highlights a certain sense as well i'm pretty sure Especially when you're single, yeah. you want to go out and meet someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. At night, you you you're more horny <laughs> yeah. at night, right? Do you agree? Yeah. Does everyone agree? Do the listeners agree know. that you are more horny? Yeah, because like at nighttime, you want to like fuck, right? <laughs> nighttime is like a time for like yeah. love making. Nobody fucks for the first time during the day. Midday. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously, a lot of couples do that. Like the first time you you make love with your partner or like a new partner, it's usually like in the evening, right? Yeah, I suppose. I don't know how to. Yeah. You don't know how to respond. I don't know how to, to, how to respond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, anything else? But um, I think also like uh, you know, like a safe space, school space, like Benjamin Law mm-hmm. thing. Like a few years ago, like safe schools or safe school program, yeah. Like a lot of kind of initial kind of um, programs to do with uh, new programs to do with like educating kids about consent in a more yeah, yeah mm-hmm. about consent or about whatever yeah. about like transgender uh-huh. rights and all that. They often happen around like 
Melbourne, mm. you know, abortion rights, you know, all these yeah. kind of things that they're, they're so tied in to sort of like um, kind of seeing everyone as equals, mm. which which I think like I, I don't think you could be an artist and not be left wing. I don't think I know any artists or writers who's who right are wing. like, yeah, exactly. I, I probably wouldn't even pick yeah. up the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's why all my friends are like, all my friends and my partner are like very, very creatively bent. Mm. Mm. Because if you're like someone on the left, there's something about you that wants to put something new into the world because you don't like yeah, what you see. Yeah, because we always question. The world is we fucked up. We always question. Yeah, you know, the world we always is, yeah. maintain the level of critical thinking, you know. Because that's how yeah. progress yeah, exactly. happens. If you don't think, exactly, yeah, people like us. <laughs> <laughs> so Helen, um, well, final thoughts on Sydney versus Melbourne? Oh, I like, I, I totally obviously like both cities. I can't say which one's okay. better, but at the moment, you know, living well, on the I, east I coast, made... I'm not even living in Sydney. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. Well, for me, like at the moment, I still prefer beach because I'm not saying that I'm, I'm like the, the group that's in Bondi, but I I, I totally prefer um, living near you know the seaside and my body is just more comfortable with warmer weather, I think. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, anything below twenty. Anything below 20, I, like, freak out. <laughs> so I, I definitely don't see myself living in Melbourne anytime soon. I feel like, I don't know if that's genetic because we're from Asia and especially from Taiwan. Yeah. We were yeah, very humid. humid and hot and subtropical climate. Yeah. I will never move to Melbourne. <laughs> Under no circumstance will I ever find myself in Melbourne. I just don't, I don't know anyone there. I don't like it. Like, fucking hipsters. And, but you know, you're just contradicting I, yourself because you, yeah. I know. <laughs> well, I'm saying, well, I don't think I am contradicting myself. Like, I think Melbourne is a far superior city mm. than Sydney, but I choose to live mm. in Sydney because this is where all the people I love live. just admire Melbourne from a distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's it? Yep. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. We're now on Acast. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. Um, we are on the Acast support, so if you like to support our um, show by donation, buy us a coffee or a chai latte. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under and send us a DM or feedback. If you'd like to discuss, uh, to discuss what we've talked about today, let us know if you prefer Melbourne or Sydney why <laughs> yeah yeah or share your experience living in both cities if you like yeah yeah that's it from us today we'll catch you next week oh also heads up keep saturday 24th of um, april, april free at three o'clock in town hall i'm going to be speaking at a rally yes so we will be attending a rally mm-hmm. um anti-asian stop asian hate. hate stop asian yep. hate yeah um, that's happening in Sydney Town Hall at 3pm, 24th of April. Um, come and show your support or yeah. share the events on your Instagram social media. or social media. Exactly. Yeah, I'm losing my yeah. words now because it's such a long episode. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll keep that free and we'll catch you soon. 
Bye. Bye. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't. We talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.